Good morning, church. It is a privilege to be able to share the word with you this morning. I trust that you're having a blessed time so far, that you're enjoying the Lord's presence, pressing in, surrendering your burdens before Him and rejoicing with thanksgiving in your heart. This morning, I want to speak a topic which is close to my heart, and that is worship. More specifically, unconditional worship. We've spoken about other disciplines that are important for the growth and health of our spiritual lives. We've spoken about the importance of prayer, the value of spending time in God's word, the purpose of communion, the need to have faith and hope. These are all really important and worship is just as important. In fact, I believe that prayer, reading God's word, remembering what Christ did for us on the cross and strengthening our faith and hope all contribute towards enhancing and developing a healthy life of worship. Why? Because worship is an overflow of what is in our hearts and it is a response to who God is. And the only way that we will have a healthy response, the only way our hearts will be in the right place is to have the right understanding of who God is, to have a relationship with Him where we know Him and draw near to Him. You see, I can't tell you how amazing you are and I can't speak about your character if I don't know you. Nor can I thank you for something that you have done for me if I am not aware of it. And so it's the same way with the Lord. We can't truly worship Him if we don't actually know Him. And we can't be thankful for everything that He has done for us if we don't know about it. So as we get to know who God is and what He has done for us, we naturally want to thank Him. We want to praise Him and we want to worship Him. And I say naturally because that's true. We were created to worship. It is the object of our worship where we are often misguided. We worship many different things, work, money, popularity, material things, entertainment. So we need to make sure that the object of our worship is God and God alone. Now, in the context of a church service, the worship part of the program is often seen as the warm-up to the message. It's the portion of the service that gives time for the latecomers to arrive. It seems like we're okay with being late for worship as long as we don't miss the message. Now, I've heard it said before that worship prepares your heart for the Word. And there's some truth to that, but I've also heard it the other way around, that the Word prepares your heart for worship. Now, I see the two working hand in hand. Worship turns our attention to God, which better prepares us to hear what He has to say. And the Word prepares us to worship by filling us with awe about how wonderful He is and fills us with gratitude as we learn about everything He has done for us. It gives us something to respond to. So worship isn't entertainment. It's not a time filler. Worship is about giving God our all, worshiping Him for who He is. It's not about how it makes us feel or what we can gain from it. See, our worship should be selfless, not selfish. Worship is quite broad and it is a part of every area of our lives. Because worship is a lifestyle, it goes beyond a few songs on a Sunday morning. It's important that we understand this and make an effort to worship God in all we do every day in every circumstance of our lives. Now we're all aware that this past year, this season has shaken up the way that we do things. It has changed the way that we have services and as a result, it has changed the way that we worship together on a Sunday. But we need to be clear on something. Just because it has affected the way we do things, 
it should not affect the quality of your worship. And when I say the quality of your worship, I'm not talking about the quality of the sound or the skill of the team or the quality of your voice. What I'm referring to is the attitude of your heart in worship. If you've heard me speak about worship before, then this will be familiar to you. The attitude of your heart in worship. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from it. What is in your heart is what is going to come out. So the attitude of our heart determines how and why we worship. That means that we need to be sure that our hearts are filled with the right stuff so that our worship is pleasing to the Lord. Now, we may not be all together right now. We may not be able to enjoy the beauty of corporate worship as we did before. But that doesn't mean that we should neglect worship because things are different or uncomfortable. And there's a story in scripture that reminds us of that. It's a story that you've probably heard before if you've been in church for a while. And as I was going over it again recently, it stood out to me in a different way. The story I'm talking about is found in Acts chapter 16, and it's about Paul and Silas in prison. Now, when we meet Paul and Silas in this passage of scripture, they are in Macedonia, a city that the Holy Spirit led them to so that they can preach the gospel. They were there with a purpose following God's will. I want you to keep that in mind as we read the story in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 28. Now it happened as we went to pray that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now there's three things that stood out to me in this passage. But the biggest one was the heart of worship in spite of their conditions. Their reality didn't change their worship. So let me talk about the three things that stood out to me in this passage. Number one, a godly life does not mean a problem-free life. Paul and Silas were living in God's will. Remember, they were led to Macedonia by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. They were there doing what God had called them to do. 
But this made some people angry. And instead of cruising through the city, happily sharing the word of God, praying for people and seeing miracles before moving on to the next city after a wonderful time of ministry, their good works were interrupted by judgment and disagreements. They were captured, beaten, and then thrown into prison where they were chained up awaiting trial. This doesn't sound very comfortable or problem-free, does it? They were doing God's will and yet they still encountered trials. And the same is true for us. Just because we have accepted Christ's salvation and are doing our best to live in God's will, it does not mean that our lives will be smooth sailing. We've heard this before and I'm going to remind us again, in this life, we will have tribulations. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us that in this world we will have troubles, but he has overcome the world so we can find peace. In every challenge we face, the good news is that we have a hope and a source of strength to face the problems and difficulties. We know that God is faithful and he will either turn the situation around and bring breakthrough or he will give us the strength to endure. But he is always with us, even in our darkest moments. And Paul and Silas understood this. Instead of throwing a pity party and kicking up a tantrum and crying out, why did God let this happen? They were at peace in a way that only makes sense if you have the hope of Christ. They faced their trials with confidence and with faith. In their brokenness, in their pain, and in their darkest moments, in their uncertainty, they chose to pray and to worship and to trust that God was with them, whatever the outcome may be. They didn't let their problems change the way that they approached the Lord. They didn't let their problems lead to bitterness and resentment. They didn't allow their problems to harden their hearts towards the Lord. Instead, they drew close. They spent time praying. They spent time pouring out their hearts to God and worshipped Him because of who He is, not because of where they were. And that leads me to my second point. Our worship should not be conditional. If anyone had reason to say, oh, I don't feel like worshipping right now, it would be Paul and Silas. After being beaten, unjustly punished, and chained up in a prison cell, I wouldn't feel like worshipping. And I don't think you would too. I'd feel pretty miserable. I'd be tired, weak, in pain, uncomfortable, and unmotivated. Yet their circumstances didn't hinder them. The pain and disappointment and fear didn't keep them from approaching the Lord with a heart of worship. In the middle of a really sucky situation, they chose to pray and sing to the Lord. And they didn't do this quietly either. They were loud enough for the other prisoners to hear them. And to me, that shows a boldness in their prayer and worship. They weren't afraid to be heard. When we worship God wholeheartedly, we can't contain it. Our faith is stirred up as we remember who God is and what He has done. And in turn, it develops a confidence within us. Paul and Silas could pray and worship out loud because of the confidence that they had in Christ. And their faith in Him enabled them to worship even in the worst of circumstances. 
Paul and Silas could pray and worship out loud because of the confidence that they had in Christ. And their faith in Him enabled them to worship even in the worst of circumstances. Our worship should not be conditional. I recently read a story about a missionary who was living in China many years ago. And during her time there, she contracted a deadly disease. There wasn't much that could be done for her, so she was left for dead, quarantined in her room without any medical help. She was in a hopeless situation. All she could do as she lay there was pray, and that's what she did. So with each passing hour, she prayed and she pleaded with God for healing. Eventually, God gave her a vision of an old-fashioned scale, the kind with plates held on either side by chains. And the scale that she saw was heavily weighted on one side, while the other side was empty. The scale was out of balance. The Lord revealed to her that the weighted side was all the prayers that she had been praying, while the empty side was her praise. She was convicted by the fact that she had prayed many prayers, but she was out of balance and that the praise side of her scale needed to be filled out. Her troubles should not outweigh her praise. So as sick as she was and on her deathbed, she stopped pleading for healing and started praising God instead. She praised Him for His greatness, for sending Jesus and giving us salvation. She praised Him for being her provider, her savior, her healing. She thanked Him for everything that He had done in her life. And at first, her praises were just whispers because she was so weak. But as she continued, she grew stronger and louder. The people listening outside her door thought that she was delirious from fever and they worried about her. But much to their surprise, several days later, she walked out of that room on her own, completely healed. Now, I don't know if this story is true or not, but I don't think that matters because there are lessons that we can learn from it. We should not be out of balance. Our troubles should not outweigh our praise. And there is power in praise and worship. In the beginning, she had let her circumstances affect how she approached the Lord. Her pain and struggle led her to pleading with God. But she learned that her praise, her worship should not be conditional. And that's when she used the unconditional approach, the even if approach, which says, Lord, you know my burdens and my requests. But even if you don't answer my prayers the way that I want you to, even if I don't receive healing, I will worship you and praise you because of who you are not because of what you can give me, not because of my circumstances. Our worship should be unconditional. We don't worship to get the healing. We worship because God is worthy of our worship. In this missionary story, she received her healing. In Paul and Silas's story, they were given freedom. And when we are trusting God for something, our hope is that we will also experience a breakthrough but we may not receive the breakthrough that we are waiting for. And if that's the case, will you still worship? I think we can learn a lesson from another story of three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they faced being thrown into the fiery furnace for not worshiping the king's statue. In response to being told that they'd be thrown into the fire, they said in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us 
from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They were confident that God would protect them, but they said that even if he didn't, they would not worship anyone or anything else. Whether they live or die, they will worship God and God alone. Once again, we see the confidence that faith brings. And I hope that we will have the same attitude of heart that even if our prayers are not answered, we will worship the Lord and worship Him alone. But then there are times when we do receive breakthrough. We saw God come through for Paul and Silas in a big way. The doors of the prison were opened and their chains were loosened. They were free. But in verses 27 and 28, we see that they didn't immediately get up and leave. They could have escaped. They were free. Yet they chose to sit and wait a little bit longer. Isn't that strange? If it were us, we would have probably run out as soon as we realized that we could. We would get out of that prison and run as fast and as far as we could to avoid getting captured again. I mean, that's what the jailer assumed, but that's not what they did. And that got me thinking, and this is the third point. What will you do when breakthrough comes? Paul and Silas worshipped and prayed, and then God literally shook the ground and freed them. Their breakthrough wasn't subtle. Yet instead of fleeing from the horrible situation at the first chance they got, they knew that this miracle was an opportunity for something bigger than just their own freedom. In verses 29 to 30, we see the jailer's response after Paul told him to not hurt himself because they were all still there. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? An opportunity arose for them to share the gospel, to speak about God's amazing love and Christ's sacrifices. A few verses later in verse 34, it says, Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The jailer and his household accepted Jesus because Paul and Silas didn't run away after they received freedom. We often want to forget the painful situations in our lives. We want to move on to something better as soon as possible. But what if we don't run away immediately from our problems? What if we use them as opportunities to declare how good and faithful God is? Verse 34 says that they rejoiced when they believed in God. And I believe that this involved singing songs of praise. See, in this life, we will have tribulations, but we will also experience breakthroughs. And through it all, our worship should be unconditional. We worship knowing that life is full of ups and downs. We choose to worship in every circumstance, the good and the bad, the comfortable and the painful. We choose to worship in every season. And when we receive our breakthroughs, we praise, we rejoice, and we use those opportunities to share His love with others. Worship and praise are meant to be part of our everyday lives. They're not meant to be limited to a portion of a Sunday service. So as we enter a new week and as we think about these three points, ask yourself these questions. What challenges am I currently facing? 
And how am I responding to these difficulties? What is the heart behind my worship? Am I only worshiping when things are going well or when I feel like it? Or is my worship naturally flowing out because God is faithful and worthy of my praise? And finally, am I looking for opportunities in both my problems and my breakthroughs to share God's goodness with others? I hope that we will learn from these stories, that we will evaluate the heart behind our worship and that we'll begin to worship God unconditionally. I pray that your troubles will not outweigh your praise and that your heart will overflow with worship in every season. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for how wonderful you are, how faithful you are, that you are with us in every season of our lives, that you are with us in the good times and the difficult times. Father, I pray that our hearts will be in the right place, that our worship will come out of a desire to honor you and glorify you, that we will spend time getting to know you, increasing our knowledge of you, spending time in communion with you, deepening our relationship so that we can truly worship you with a heart of worship. Father, I pray that you will also help us to use the difficult situations in our lives as opportunities to speak of your goodness and your faithfulness, to see your hand in every area of our lives. Father, I pray that our worship will be unconditional, that we won't just worship when we feel like it or when it's easy to worship, but that even in the difficult times when it is uncomfortable, we will come before you with thanksgiving and with praise and with worship. Father, I pray that our praises will not be outweighed by our troubles. And we thank you, Lord, for your consistency in our lives, for your faithfulness and for your goodness. May we continue to honor and praise you each and every day. Amen. May you be blessed in the week ahead and continue to worship unconditionally.